0: Episode 284 of This is Whole Life. And if you were with us last week, I, I forgot one thing at the end of the episode. And I just wanted to say, Pam, if you're listening today, we missed you last week. We missed all of you that I had lobby conversations with that said, Man, on a Tuesday night, seven o'clock, ah, it's a little bit far for me. Or I've got this on Tuesday nights. Or, you know, I've got a baseball game, Nathaniel. I know you're listening. You had a baseball game. Wish you could have been there because actually the food was really yummy. I'm still thinking about the Angry Goat. goat the Angry Goat. The Angry Goat pizza. And I'm going to be real honest. And my, my dad bod, Belly, mm-hmm. was really happy about that cannoli cake. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it was way better than I expected. So uh, I am looking forward until the next time, whether or not Ken puts dessert on him or not. I'm still looking forward to the next time we go out and uh, do something outside the studio again. I mean, as much as I like the studio, it was fun. It was fun. It was a different atmosphere, and I, it was it was a lot of fun. All right, last week when we ended, we said we were moving back into love is not, and this was love is not a grudge holder, mm-hmm. and grudge holder made me think of, I don't know, Cromudgeon. Um makes me think of someone that is genuinely or typically unhappy the majority of the time and I think that might be a might be a character trait. And this is week 7 and I think we've got what we've just got a couple Two more. more. Two more. Two more. more. And that's yep. oh my goodness. And in the outline paragraph it said when Jesus told his disciples to forgive others 70 times 7. He wasn't suggesting we keep a tally board. Now, see, that would have cleared up things for me a long time ago, Ken. So
1: I did, You have a tally board at home?
0: Well, I did, but I burned it. I burned it. <laughs> to, when? Uh, Saturday afternoon. I got off awesome. from church, and I just burned that board.
1: That's <laughs> just what pastors love to hear when
0: people start— <laughs> Something <laughs> well, stirs them to make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tally board in my heart, and I <laughs> ceremoniously did it. No, but seriously, when we think about—when you say it that way— and you can crack a joke, but in reality, it's probably closer to home than a lot of us would care to admit when we really look honestly at sometimes how, and sometimes it's really legitimate. You get wronged, and you, you, you keep a tally of it, you keep a record of it, and part of it is just, I think, because it hurts, right? You get, you get hurt, and you carry that with you, and I don't know, maybe it, it, is it just our generation that didn't grow up with a lot of really good tools to, it almost seemed accepted before. Well, they 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 did you wrong. I mean, yeah, you should you should totally be mad. You should totally be mad at him. And then, but no one ever told you what you're supposed to do <laughs> after the mad part was supposed to be over. And now we need to. It's never
1: over. That's you know, it's well, that, the Hatfield-McCoys. Right. It's the you know, <laughs> go back to Shakespeare. Go back to Julius Caesar. I suppose you can go back. You know, yeah, Adam and Eve really. Um, yeah.
0: But it never seemed like there was a, a lot of thought or a lot of instruction given to Yeah, you're supposed to forgive people, but how do you forgive people and how do you do that? And how do you not hold a grudge when the pain is real? And that was where I, you know, kind of where I thought we were going, and and we did to a certain extent. But I thought when you were started talking about, well, this isn't really where we're going, we're gonna talk about God and we're gonna talk about how you know who god is god being perceived as angry particularly our our old testament god that we love to or those around us the world around us loves to put, to bring old testament angry strike people down <laughs> turn them into a pillar of salt uh, you know you name your your story but anyone's name not written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect it all sounds pretty bad for the sinner, no matter how good we could possibly be in this world. And just to
1: be clear, you're mashing two two different texts up there. We've yeah. got Revelation, we've right. got Matthew, right? Just
0: but throwing that all yeah. together, it's just not particularly appealing yeah. to someone to say, "Well, if that's if that's it, then why do I care if I hold a grudge?" Yeah, I mean, because if that's just the end game, and right, that there's no real reason to. Well, if oh
1: God holds grudges, why is he holding us to a different standard than He holds himself to? I think that's if mm-hmm. if God keeps track of how we've wronged him, <laughs> then maybe it's okay for me to keep track of how people have wronged me, yeah, I think, and that's as I was kind of preparing the sermon, i think I think that. Um, it's interesting because I'll do these uh the little sermon paragraphs that you, that you that you that you just referenced and yeah. that, that will often be seen. I usually write those two or three months before the sermon. Do you really? Uh, yeah. And so what happens is I, I have an idea of where I'm going to head with the sermon at that point, and then I'll sit down um, a week or two uh, before the time for the sermon and start kind of really working on where I'm going with that sermon. And and so what will happen is there's more than a few times where I've I've thought, okay, this is where I'm going to head with this sermon, but as I'm looking through the texts, as I'm looking through and really pondering, I think, no, I think there's a different direction that I need to go, and this is a perfect example yeah, of that's right. exactly what happened with this sermon. As I sat down, as the more I thought about it, the more I thought, how can we really talk about how we not need to not hold grudges? when I think there's a, a very popular perception in the world—I don't know how how popular it is at uh, Whole Life Church—but there, you know, this popular perception that, that we are um, sinners in the hands of an angry God um, who is <laughs> who has been meticulously keeping track of how we have wronged him and— um, Or he has
2: thresholds. Yeah, he yeah.
1: has thresholds, exactly, mm. you know, and so, and, and so he, you know, he's— he, I think that sometimes we almost get this feeling that God is almost rooting for us to fail, right? You know, just like it feels that way. Yeah. Sometimes, like you know, some some people have grown up in homes where they had parents that were rooting for them to fail. You'll never be able to do that. I remember I had a a student once, a high school student, whose his his parent loved to call him uh, about once a week to tell him how he was never going to graduate because nobody in his family had ever been able to do it, and he was not capable of doing it. And it wow. was like this person was rooting—this you know, this is a parent seeming to root against their child. And I think that that's sometimes the picture that we have of God, is this this God that's kind of like, well, I'll forgive you if I have to, but, you know, wow. I'm kind of rooting for you to fail.
0: Well, in a way, we kind of met that out a little bit with your— Little poll that we did, yeah, that said, does God keep a record of when yeah. we have wronged Him? And basically, a third of the live poll said that the answer to that question was yes. Mm-hmm. Is that Adventist theology? Is this something that you would predict to be prevalent across Christianity, not just a, not just an Adventist thing?
1: I thought the poll was probably lower than what I would normally expect in a um, in a Christian in a Christian church. church.
0: Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. I was just curious what you guys thought about how – because immediately, as a younger me, I would have totally answered, I mean, do you think God keeps a record? Oh, yeah. I, I, I would have totally said yes. I don't know.
2: Mhm. Well, I <laughs> then you have to deal with the idea of, well, doesn't he know everything? And is he just going to is he just going to forget? Is he going to stop remembering what I did? Doesn't he want to keep record of what I've done? You know, that actually you brought that up in in your in your sermon regarding uh what does God do with the information that he has? And uh and that's the that you know that's the beauty i you know, i i go i always go back to the story of the woman at the well this the samaritan woman who jesus literally says to her here's what you what, what's going on in your life he literally tells her before she says anything and he, she goes back <laughs> to the town come listen to a guy that knows everything they about me, me basically yeah. or come come listen to this guy who's literally just laid out my life in front of me. And that's the beauty, I think, of Jesus is he knows what's going on. Now, you mentioned it in your sermon, and I think it's it's essential that we understand this, is that if we want to be judged by what you know what we've done, we will probably be judged by I mean, he loves us have that freedom. But he does throw our sins into the
0: depths of the sea. Well, and I'm glad that what you just laid out Ken that this is something that you write beforehand because to me that's the that's almost the be- most beautiful setup ever ever is to think about this in this way and then to totally come at it from a different angle because mm-hmm. I think so many people and, and I never looked at it I've never looked at it this way specifically myself and so for me I think back to when I just said I would have been the guy saying, heck yeah, God totally keeps score, because we were told that time and time again, God always knows what you're doing. Be sure your sins will find you out. I mean, yep. if that's not record keeping. What is? And when you're told enough times that for this behavior you're going to hell, and if you wake up before, to you know, if you don't ask for forgiveness before you wake up and Jesus comes, well, sorry, you missed out. That's just the way the way the cookie crumbles. Sorry
2: yeah and if we want to be if we want to go down that way, t- two main things usually happen. Number one, we either compare ourselves to somebody else who we think is worse than us. <laughs> you know we go well, yeah. I'm not like him, well, yeah, thank no. God that I'm not a sinner like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep, or we double down, right. and much like the woman at the well did, and you know well. You know, we give God, you know, well, if you wouldn't have created me like, you know, like what Eve said. So we double down on what we think is going on. And I think that's the that's the horrendous part of sin. yeah. And that's the part that God's trying to get us away from.
0: Well, and I think because it's there's so much emotional baggage for people that grew up in that atmosphere or today might still be stuck there, it's hard to move away from that and then – I think it's hard you can hear the words. Like I, I heard what you said in this message loud and clear, and it was even though I don't believe that God keeps record of that, I don't I don't think he does. There's a part of me though that was like, Whew, man, I, I'm sure glad I came to church today because I needed to hear <laughs> I needed to hear this message. And I felt like in the room. Because, I mean, normally we have two services. It was a meat worship serve where we send everybody out to do some good in the community on Saturday morning and spend their Sabbath, you know, doing a little bit of—
1: Being like Jesus. Yeah, being a little
0: bit like Jesus. And so we only had one message, but I really felt the vibe in the room was— a little bit of that old, I mentioned it this morning, a little bit of that old tent revival. You know, Ken didn't have a tie on. He was he was getting, his voice was getting out, raising up there. And people were, you know, I, yes, sir. You know, we were getting some clapping and some amens and mm-hmm, preaching from the front row and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And I really felt like there was a vibe of people just going, Whew. Exhale, because I think we let the world tell us a lot of times what Christianity is, and then you almost take a little bit of that on yourself just because, well, they're probably not wrong because you've seen instances or you've been in those. (laughs) Well, we live in a a world that
1: keeps track. We live in a data-driven society. We all keep track of everything, of everything. I mean, you know, to the point today where whatever you did 10 or 15 years ago, it doesn't yeah. matter if you've evolved as a human being that will get pulled up that's true and and this is and, and suddenly you're being cast as as the person that you were not the person that you are and sometimes you know in, in all fairness sometimes you're being cast as the person you are <laughs> okay there so i don't want to you know too yeah. broad a brush here but at the same time we live in a world that is excellent at reminding people of their failures over and over and over and over again. you know when somebody makes a mistake it goes viral and, and and people bring it up and bring it up and bring it up and there's and I don't think that sorry gets rid of of mistakes. I don't think when you make a mistake and you just say sorry and fix everything at the same time when somebody's truly sorry, There's a time to move on, yeah, and and but that's not the world that we're living in. We live in a world, and and it's not just one side of it's not just it's not just Christians or non Christians or this political party or that political party. It's everybody. We're all keeping track. We're keeping score. We see it, you know, like I said in the media and politics. We see it in our homes where we, you know, well, I know I did this and I did this and you did that and you did that and so. You yelled at me, so I get to yell at you. And, you know, it, it's this back and forth that that happens. And and I think that what we need is a little bit more of that love that First Corinthians thirteen verses four through seven that says that the love and the, the actual the, the very the most accurate translation of that is that love does not keep track of how it's been wronged. Um, which I you know took the liberty of saying doesn't yeah. hold a grudge. Sure, but it but it actually gets more specific. L- love does not keep track of how it's been wronged. Um, it doesn't say that it doesn't notice that it's been wronged, but what it doesn't do is it doesn't keep a, a scorecard. It doesn't keep an account that says here's what you owe, and and if you can pay up, then we've got something to
0: talk about. Ooh, I like that because otherwise we run the risk of just like we've talked about during this series a lot just becoming that doormat without any boundaries but that still keeps it within the boundaries we understand when we've been wronged but we can we have a better way of actually dealing with it than to hold on to it and cuz again like going back to the grudge and like Mr. Crumudgeon or Mrs. Crumudgeon it just seems like when you do that you're just carrying around so much so much dead weight that you just you can't it's so hard to get rid of, and especially when our view of ourselves—like, we know when we've done our spouses wrong or our friends wrong or someone at church wrong where it was like, oh, yeah, yep, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done this knowing what that was going to do. And like you said, a simple sorry doesn't—normally is not enough for most of those things that would upset somebody enough that would warrant or—I don't say warrant, but would cause somebody to hold a grudge. And so—
1: But have you ever been around a person that keeps track? You know what I'm talking about? Like I had a colleague once who it it just we had to do we had to do this particular chore together um, on a semi-regular basis. And every time we had to do it, it was four hours of (laughs) how this chore was unfair and the people who had and and it just turned into this, this litany. And to the point where I got to where I could almost recite what, what was going to be. come next and what was going <laughs> to be said and who who had done him wrong and I this, that, and another. And can we just be all be honest? I love that man, but I did not enjoy being around him. Yeah. I did not enjoy it because it was just—it was like, all right, I get it, but— it's like anything else in life. The more that you rehearse something, the deeper the rut gets. And if if you drive over uh, grass long enough, you, you create ruts. And the, the more that you rehearse the hurt and pain that you've felt, the deeper that hurt and pain seeps into your soul. It gets deep in there, and it's hard to get out. Um, you know, it, it used to be people would say, oh, well, you need to vent. You need to go ahead and get it out get and it say out, it. Yeah. And there is some some value to speaking to the issue if you're trying to resolve it. Okay. But when all you're trying to do is rehearse it and, and go over how you've been wounded and how you've been hurt and just continue to ingrain it, that that can be really problematic for you psychologically. It can, it can really create hurt and pain that goes even deeper than it needs to. And so that's, I mean, there's just tons of studies out there that will tell you
2: that holding a grudge is is really going to hurt you. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah, in the end, it, it's a it's a damaging thing to you. The one thing that you know, though if we have listeners that are listening about this, they you're saying, well, you're, are you saying I shouldn't document abuse or I shouldn't document uh, issues that have gone on that? Would help me legally, right. and I, and I think we have to really be careful about how we you know these these are actual um, these are actual kind of I don't want to call them precautions but the, these are things that you you need to do in our society today from the standpoint of in a, maybe it's protecting your your loved ones or protecting yourself these are completely yeah. different pieces and I think sometimes people. I don't want to say get lazy, but they don't do the assertive thing because they say, well, I'm not going to worry about it or I skirt it under the rug. And that's actually just as damaging as doing the hard work of forgiveness and resolve. So it's it's kind of on both sides. If we keep track for the sake of just so that I can rehearse my anger or my angst and I get a chance to vent, venting is good. But hanging on to something for a long, long time damages yourself. Just the same as documentation is actually, is actually a good thing, especially, as a matter of fact, there is times when you say, hey, write it all out and then forgive it and burn the paper mm-hmm. or you know, do something to, to create uh, a sense of resolve, forgiveness, and then let it go so you can live your life.
1: And as a youth director, I mean, that's one of the things I always had to do. I had to keep yeah, extensive documentation of My the life. things yeah. that would happen that. Uh, right. at camp with employees and things like that. I really had to keep really good records and not, but the, the question was why I was doing it. <laughs> was it so I could get even right. or was it so that I could protect myself or someone else from bad things happening? That, that's the real issue. If it was just to be, just to be uh, get even to be punitive That's a little bit different than saying, no, you know, when I document a child telling me that something happened to them, that's – I'm protecting. Protecting. When I document that I have an employee who is not uh, following proper safety protocols, that's not me hating them. That's me documenting because I have to keep the people that I'm in charge of safe. I'm glad, Jeff, you brought that up because I I think that there's a big difference, and, and I think that's also goes to a little bit of what what I hope people heard me say is that God keeps records too, right? But those records aren't so that he he's not documenting how he's been injured. It's not it's not a ah oh, you are awful I hate you and so I'm <laughs> going to make sure I write this down so I can never forget. And it's God keeps records on our for our benefit it's the record of what happened what happened happened it's there for our good because when satan comes and accuses right there it is and so it's an interesting though it's a, it's a really interesting and and um difficult to explain because god says that when he forgives us it's been thrown into the bottom of the sea yep that he it's that it's gone for him and yet there's a record there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, has God forgotten or has God not forgotten? And that's what people wrestle with. My study in this says that God forgets. He genuinely does. He's not, but He's also there to protect us from Satan, the accuser. And so, when we ask for forgiveness, we can count on it. He's, it's gone. Yeah. yeah. It's gone.
2: The one thing He does remember is. That we turned our life over to Jesus mm-hmm. uh, or that we we believe. Yeah. And he does remember – one of the things back to the documentation piece and that is it, it, for who is ever listening, if you live – if you're in an abusive situation, you're actually doing not only maybe yourself and – or if you have children – uh, them a favor by ducking, you're actually doing the abuser a favor too and nobody likes to think about an abuser certainly is not thinking about it at no. this point yeah. but down the road that if that's what you know that's what love does love is also a, a, an opportunity for us to take responsibility and be a part of healing somebody else somebody yeah. else
1: and the question is always are we driving toward restoration or yeah. are, we, are we driving towards revenge, revenge? Or, yeah.
0: Well, and I liked how you mentioned, Jeff, that, you know, maybe write it out on a piece of paper. And there's a ton of things. You can look them up online, but there's a ton of ways that you can take anger or you can take things that you hold on to that people have wronged you. And years ago, just like I would have said, yeah, God keeps track, I would have also been like, that is so stupid. That is so dumb. Why would anybody do that? Just, you know, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Just get over it and forget about it. And then it's done. You have to write something down on a piece of paper but after doing prayer rooms with heather for years with when watching her really pray over uh subject matter and things like this where people are really bringing all of their troubles to god and whatever the theme is and she'll make a station and she'll pray over it and write these beautiful words and like write your like my, one of my favorite ones she ever did was put a sand in a, a big tray and write your sins in the sand And then after you pray and ask God to take them away, take the little rake and just rake over it and it's gone. And it sounds cheesy, but when you do it and when your heart is just so full of whatever it is that's keeping you from God and just keeping you from just living a a less stressed, a less crazy, you know, stressful life. And it's it, – the power of just watching things and sometimes doing things, it's almost like the Kickstarter or the catalyst that helps move you in the direction of, oh, well, that was – I mean, that was tangible. And so I think sometimes the tangible parts, While well, that part of you might go, eh, I don't know about that. But it can be really super helpful I mean, Well, at that starting point.
2: I mean there's tons of imagery in the Bible. As a matter of fact – there's, there's so – I mean we don't – by the way, when the Old Testament writers were writing about it being in a book, they didn't have books yeah, yeah. <laughs> much like what we think of you know, today. They didn't have a, what was originally called a codex. They didn't even have that. So in a sense, these visuals are interpretations or actually translations that we get a chance to visualize yeah. the idea of what they
0: were trying to bring about. Well, and one of the, the parts of the sermon that I enjoyed the most were three texts that Ken read that I don't think often get a lot of airplay, or they don't get used in sermon illustrations that often. And, and maybe maybe it's just me, but you, you did uh, you said Colossians two thirteen and fourteen. These are all well. This one's a New Living Translation. It said, "You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away." Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Verse 14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by kneeling it to the cross. I can't tell you the last time I've heard that verse or even read it, even though, you know, different Bible plans are kind of all over the place. And then you quoted Revelation twelve ten. This is the New American Standard, NASB, NASB, is that what that is? Yeah. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, the one who (laughs) accuses them before our God day and night. And Revelation is not one of those books that you usually go, well, there's a lot of happy stuff to go talk about in (laughs) Revelation. Let's go read Revelation. But, man, I saw Revelation on the screen. I was out in the lobby. And I was like, oh, man, we're in Revelation today? And I'm like, what? what, Love? Okay, I'm going to have to figure this one out. But going back and reviewing that was so good. And then the third one was Ezekiel 3311. This is also NLT. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Turn, turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? And... When you followed that with, you said, when Jesus keeps a record, it's for your benefit. He's for you, not against you. He loves you and he cares about you. He keeps the record so that the record will be true and honest because we can't count on Satan to do that. Those three verses to me and and in that context is so rewarding for Christians. And I think it just gets overlooked so many times because again, we're looking for the Old Testament God that's going to strike you down and that, that we think keeps records of our wrongs. And it 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 brings weight to the people that say, well, Christianity, I mean God, look at he's he's a he's not that great of a God in the first place. I mean, I don't know why you would ever want to be a part of a religion like that. But those are three very amazing examples of, no, 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 it's not what you think, and it's not what you've been told, and it's not even what a lot of times what we've been told as Christians, that's good news.
1: Yeah, I, I ran out of time. There's so many other things. I mean, look at Romans 8. Oh, Roman, one of my favorite Romans yep. 8, I think it's probably right around verse 30. Paul says, so who accuses us? <laughs> right. Is it Jesus? No, he gave his life for us. So who is it? Well, nobody can, is what Paul says. Nobody can accuse us. Nobody can accuse us because of what Christ has done, and that's where he runs into, I'm uh, you know, convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And and that is, I think, the point to be made, is that there's this idea somehow that there's this vindictive God, and Jesus is up there saying, God, just take it easy on him. Come on, please. And <laughs> and, and this is the same God that gave his son because he loved the world so much that that's the same God right yep. so we don't have a vindictive God. I, I you know I've been trying to research this so if I'm not right, you know forgive me but I' I've, I've, I've heard on several different occasions that within the Jewish legal system that the judge is an impartial that it within the Jewish legal system that that the judge is actually on the side of the defendant. In in the American legal system, the judge is supposed to be impartial. He's neither for the defense or the prosecution. He's there to do an impartial thing. But I've been told within the Jewish legal system, the judge was always on the side of the defendant. And so just think about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. That means that (laughs) Jesus is on our side, God is on our side, um, and Satan's the one accusing us. And the Bible in another place says, if God is for us, who Who can can be be against us? us? Yeah. So uh, you know, I think that that's a lot of really good news for us. I don't think that gives us license to go out and live just any which way. But what I do think it does is what it tells us is that in our imperfection that each one of us have, whether we're willing to admit it or not, because I've met a few people who thought they were sinless, really, for real. I've had some and, Wow. But when you we all, when you look at the standard that Jesus has for what perfection looks like, there is nobody that I have ever met that meets that, that standard. Nobody. We are all sinners. I mean, Paul said it. All of the good things that we do, the best that I have to offer <laughs> offer is yep. uh, is used baby diapers. That's the best that's, that's, that's my good stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So I think we we all need to recognize just how much we need Christ, how much He's already yeah, how much He's done for us, and that He's on our side. He's for us, not against us, He's not a grudge holder.
0: Well, I am looking forward. I don't know about the rest of you if you caught the message this week. And I would suggest you do so because it was a it was a really good vibe in-house. And it really came through well to the online as well when I rewatched and, and listened and was prepping for today's episode. But I'm really looking forward to this upcoming message where – Even hell and the judgment is merciful and brings peace and harmony back to a hurting world. So, you know, this eternal hellfire and damnation and, you know, you're going to burn forever and ever in complete agony 24-hour 7-365 until, I I don't know, I'm not that good about fire and, you know, science, so I— I think you'd burn up faster than that, but that's not what I've heard. So I'm looking forward to this new, uh, this upcoming message that Ken promised he would dive deeper into <laughs> that. So is that coming up in the Love uh, series, or is that going to be after?
1: Uh, oh, because I, I promised. Uh, yeah, I you promised said we
0: were yeah. going we to get it. We were we'll get, get there. there.
1: We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. I, I'm not promising when, but we'll get there. We'll get there. All
0: right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And at the end of the day, you know, a lot of times I feel like it's just feelings. Like I got my feelings hurt and maybe they legitimately got hurt. But was it tragic? Was it, I mean, is there a barometer for us that we need to kind of keep an eye on? before we let something that maybe isn't as big a deal, it's just, it's my pride, it's my feelings, and maybe it wasn't on purpose, and I let that just kind of fester until it becomes a grudge? Or is it just like, I guess what I'm asking is, it's so easy to let something just sit there, and we sometimes don't want to be the, well, that hurt my feelings, I don't want to confront you because I'm not good with confrontation, or I just don't want to Rock the boat, or what do we what do we do to make to kind of guard ourselves to hopefully not let situations that maybe shouldn't be there if that's if that makes any sense get that far.
2: Are you asking something regarding how can how can we mitigate some of this stuff that so it doesn't turn into a yes, grudge or yeah. make me want to keep yeah, track
0: to keep just to keep holding on to it? Well, you know. <laughs> That's a tough question. Uh, well,
2: justice—you know—everybody wants justice, and <laughs> if you, you know, if you did something to unbalance my life, and then I and then I should figure out a way to—I I do think that in a loving relationship, the best thing we can do—if that's what you're asking—and yeah. and Ken, you may have something as as well—but I think one of the best things we can do is to first of all understand that I'm in this relationship because. I want to do good by this person that I'm mm. with. Nice. And if that's really my aim, if, I, if I'm in the relationship to get something out of it for me, then, then yeah, you're probably going to have a lot of grudges yeah, eventually. <laughs> but understand why you're in that relationship and that is to do good by the other person. Mm. And okay. whether that's a friend, whether it's a mate, whether it's a sibling, what you know, those are relationships. Relationships are, are part of giving you know and it it makes you a better person to think of that other person first,
0: first. Yeah. yeah i like that
1: i think the question that we have to just really ask ourselves is when we're when we're dealing with things are we trying to understand or are we trying to condemn ooh yeah so yeah. when we when we try to when we when we see something that's been done that's really hurtful and painful are we trying to understand why that happened or are we trying to condemn the person and then make them owe us something.
0: Like they're going to pay somehow. Yeah.
1: Or are we trying to understand? And I think that mm-hmm. um, I think that if I were going to say anything, I would just say I think, generally speaking, boundaries are the reason why we wind up finding ourselves in grudge holding. It's because we don't enforce a boundary, and we allow that person to keep crossing the boundary until we become bitter and angry about it even though we haven't actually spoken up and said, hey, this needs to stop. And then when it doesn't stop saying, okay, if this isn't going to stop, then this is what's going to happen. And then when it happens again, say, well, I told you this, I love you, but now here's the here's yeah, he the concept. The this is what's going to happen for my safety, for the safety of those around, whatever the case may be. But generally, I think a lot of times we're, uh, it's, it's funny in a society that has as much conflict as it has that we're as a society actually also very conflict adverse yeah we tend to do a lot more of the talking about the conflict outside of the area that will actually help solve Solve it it. (laughs) than within the area that would solve it and so i think a lot of times we're very slow to actually go to the person say here's the problem and this is and let's work on this together Instead, we stay at home and nurse it. We talk to our friends, the echo chamber that will tell us what we want to hear about how we've been wronged instead of going to the source that could could actually potentially iron it out.
0: Make that change. I like that. Well, speaking of questions, I think we answered all the questions from this week's Q&A, but Karen sent us a question that came in on Sunday on the text line. So we're going to get to that. She said regarding yesterday's sermon. So this was Sunday, so for this past Sabbath sermon. I understand that our names are written in God's book of life, and Satan, as our accuser, keeps record of our wrongs. But please explain the book of remembrance mentioned in Malachi 3.16. Also in Psalms 56.8, you number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not written in your book? Seems like these... Or this is another record of the happenings in our lives, our emotions and responses to those events. Would appreciate your thoughts, by the way. Love the podcast. Thank you for your hard work in making it happen. Well, thank you, Karen, for listening and appreciating the hard work and enjoying the show. That's why we do it.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Karen. We're really glad you're listening. I think you could make a case that the book of remembrance is the book of life that's mentioned in Revelation that, that I was talked about, I think you could also probably make a case that it's a, a record of all the things that happen over the course of life. The The Bible verse that's referred to in Psalms talks about uh, that God has a bottle that keeps our tears. I think we can all agree that's probably metaphorical, that there's not a literal bottle there that, that all of our tears are being act- physically stored in. And so we need to look at that verse in Psalms and understand that there's a lot of metaphor in there that's being used. And so, you know, one of the other issues that you get into with that particular text is that I I believe it's that one that says that, that you wrote your... You wrote all my days, or it's another book, a text in Psalms that says, "You wrote all my days in your book before I was ever born." Born, yeah. which gets into some of the predestination issues that uh, that can be fun to to wrangle about. So, technically, God has written your entire life before you're ever born. Um, if you choice. take that, yeah, <laughs> if you take that, but. Where I would go with that is I, I don't have an issue at all that God is keeping track of what happens. That I mean, in the same way that you may have a security camera at your home that keeps track of what happens in your home, and, and is keeping track of the whole whole record of what's going on. What I would object to is the idea that God keeps a specific record of how He's been wrong. So there, there's a, there's that's like taking the security tape and just cutting it down just to certain parts of it. And and so what I would say is I don't think God does that. I think God has a complete record of our life, but I don't know that he, well, I'm 100% certain that he doesn't keep a record book of how we have wronged him. He does keep a record book of when I've chosen him. He keeps a record that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and that's very plain, and that book of life supersedes the record of my life. In other words, whatever's written the record of my life, Jesus' blood covers, covers all, all that, that yeah. up, and the only thing that's left that matters is that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and the book of what I would say is remembrance that she, that's being referred to in Malachi.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah, I think a lot of times we, we look at some of these metaphors, especially Old Testament metaphors. And people just they want to believe that that their life had meaning, their life was was worth living and so in a, in a in, i think in some of these especially some of the prophets, the writings that we have they're they're saying in God do I have meaning and and that's where a lot of this metaphorical language comes from too is because i i I want to go to God. Give give me because I, I don't feel like there's a point. You know, even David would, you know, cry out in terms of asking, you know, what, is there a basically a point to <laughs> my life? And, um, you know, I have to keep running is what's going on here. And uh, I think I, I think like Ken mentioned, there is this there is this side of when I choose God, does that matter? Yeah. And I think that's what that's what this is about. Well, there's a pagan saying that
1: uh, outside of Christianity, there's a pagan saying that you die twice. There's there's when you physically die, and then the last time somebody remembers you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that
1: that, those are the two times that you die. You die Mm -hmm. when you when you physically die, and when you are when you no one else remembers the record of you and what a lot of uh, to the point Jeff's making uh, what a lot of the old testament and new testament writers were trying to say is that God never forgets you
2: mm-hmm.
1: you are written in his mind you you matter to him he has he never forgets you and so in that sense in that sense a person wouldn't die until God erased his own, his memory, own memory of you that's very
0: cool well Karen once again thank you for the question and you know every week you can tune in and and watch church uh, first and second service on 99% of weeks. Uh, meet, worship, serve is a little bit different this past week. but And we always welcome your questions. You can ask them in the Facebook chat or on the website, live, And whatever we don't get to right there in the post message, couple few minutes there, we handle here on the podcast. So thank you for that, Karen. And you can be just like Karen. You can send them to 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church if email is easier. And one of our Whole Life Reflections this week as what would it look like if you eliminated the phrase, yeah, but you? <laughs> How difficult would it be to stop rehearsing in your mind hurts from the past? How would it change your life if you did? Man, that one um, that one kind of hits uh, a little hard there sometimes, you know, when it's like, yeah, but you. And you're like, well, I know I haven't done that in a- Oh well, yeah. That was not that long. That was not that long ago. Or man, did I really? Did I really go there? Because it seems like when you say it that way, it seems and it is. It's 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 just a cop out sometimes. But it's for whatever reason, are we that soft that we just have to go? Yeah, but you. When it's pretty easy to look in the mirror and I know where I usually land on those. So we don't have to go that far today, do we? Velvet <laughs> hammer, velvet the sledgehammer. There you go. All right. Well. Our final thoughts are from the closing to Ken's message. He said, records are being kept, but God is on your side and using those records to exonerate you. We are to be perfect as he is. Who do you need to forgive and erase the record on today? Instead of rehearsing the hurt, reframe it by changing the thought to a blessing God has given you or something he has forgiven you. If you know somebody that maybe struggles in this area, this would be a great podcast to and message to share with them. And those are all very easily to do from all of our social media platforms. Next week, it's Love Is, and I forgot to put it in my notes. What is it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doesn't rejoice in injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Ooh.
0: And what we said Jeff said early day everyone likes justice so maybe we're going to get a closer look at that this week right not quite the same not quite the same but, the same, <laughs> but close alright well that's going to do it for this week guys thanks for listening as always Karen thank you for the comments and we'll look forward to seeing you all next week have a fantastic week in the meantime